Did you know that the Quran addresses everything from debt and lending to the need for everyone to work, to earn a living, to the imperative for charitable giving? The Quran has a lot to say about money. And did you know that the Buddha taught that greed or the desire to have more than others is one of what he called the three poisons that are the cause of suffering. In other words, our religious ancestors thought that our relationship to money, wealth, and material possessions is a religious, spiritual issue with moral and ethical implications. Our Unitarian Universalist faith is grounded in the teachings of the world's great religions, each of, what, each of which gives effort to exploring the importance of money in our lives. If there's a failing in our faith tradition, it may be that we are reticent to talk about money except for when we're being asked to give more of it. You can relax. I'm not here to ask you to give money. On the other hand, we're quite comfortable talking about sex, but we get awkwardly embarrassed when the topic of conversation is money. And we haven't always been good about talking about sex. In fact, it's been a long journey to bring sexuality out of the closet to be recognized as a real and necessary part of life. Today, we honor a diversity of sexual identities, orientations, and expressions as normal parts of the human experience. We work to end oppression and discrimination based on sexual difference. We teach our whole lives sexuality education to people across the lifespan. Today in my church, we're starting the fourth through sixth grade classes and the seventh through ninth grade classes. We teach people from kindergarten to old age about sexuality, education that is age appropriate, biologically accurate, and based in our faith values. The emphasis is on healthy choices that lead to intimate relationships that are physically and emotionally safe and emotionally gratifying. See, I told you it was easier to talk about sex. <laughs> I've yet to say a word about money. <laughs> and anyone who has ever taught an Our Whole Lives class can testify to how rewarding the work is and how hard it is. Has anybody here ever taught an OWL class? Okay. What makes it hard? And I've taught them. What makes it hard is that talking about sexuality taps into tender and vulnerable feelings. To talk openly about sex and sexuality can unearth deep-seated feelings of inadequacy, shame, and fear. The rewarding part of the work comes in creating sacred spaces that are free of judgment, where negative self-assessments can be countered by accurate information and unconditional acceptance. When I meet young adults who grew up as Unitarian Universalists, they often cite our whole lives as the singular most important part of their faith formation.
using words like empowering, healing, liberating, and life-saving. Talk of money can bring up these same deep-seated feelings of inadequacy, shame, and fear. Our most primal needs are dependent on money. We need money for survival, after all. So what if, what if we were as able to talk with each other as openly and honestly about money as we are about sex? Recognizing that money is a real and necessary part of life and that each of us has a different experience and therefore a different relationship with money. We know that income distribution in our world today is far from fair. Our personal relationship with money will be determined in large part by how much or how little we have. Traditionally, people who on average have higher financial means than the general population have populated Unitarian Universalism. Today, however, our congregations are growing more socioeconomically diverse, especially the one that I serve, which is in an urban area in Tucson. It's not just changing in Tucson, it's changing all across the country. And partly this is due to the way that people are finding their way to our doors today. It used to be that the number one way that people found their way to a Unitarian Universalist congregation was by invitation from a friend. How many of you invited friends to be here? How many were invited by a friend? Yeah. Well, mostly people tend to have friends who are from their same socioeconomic class. So our congregations for years and years and years, tended to stay pretty much the same demographically. Today, the number one way people find out about us is through the World Wide Web. Who found Unitarian Universalism on the web? Right. It's growing. It's changing that way. And since the World Wide Web is very diverse and open to everybody, it turns out that our message of radical inclusion and universal love is attractive to people from all walks of life. The change in demographics in our congregations is partly due to the growing income inequality in the world today. When I was growing up, it was assumed that each generation would be better off than the one before. That hasn't quite proven to be true for my generation, and it's certainly not looking like it's going to be true for the generations that follow me. So to understand how radically things have changed, consider this. When I was start starting out in the world as a young adult, the minimum wage was $5.25. A gallon of gas cost 50 cents. College tuition at a state university was $1,000 a year. 
And when my husband, AJ, and I got married, we bought a condominium for $18,000. Our first ever brand new car, which was this shiny blue Toyota Corolla hatchback, <laughs> cost $2,000. Today, the minimum wage in Arizona is $8.05 an hour. A gallon of gas, depending on which day, <laughs> can be $1.50 to $2. In-state tuition at the University of Arizona is at least $10,000 a year. And today in Tucson, I don't know about Sierra Vista, but in Tucson, you're going to be lucky to find a condo for $100,000. And a brand new car, I haven't bought one lately, but I think they're at least $20,000 that $23,000, $30,000. I don't know what that shiny new Corolla would cost us today. More than $2,000, right? <laughs> 25 years ago, when I first became a Unitarian Universalist, our congregations were mostly filled with people who lived comfortably on their income, had enough left over to save for their children's college educations and for their own retirement. Today, our congregations are much more economically diverse. There are those who are financially comfortable, and there are those whose incomes must stretch to cover the basic costs of living. And for our younger members, it must also stretch to cover educational debt, sometimes of 20000 30000 50000 and more. For families with children, two incomes are necessary just to get by, and the challenge is even greater for single parents. Some in our congregations are working two or three part-time jobs and still not getting by. And even with the Affordable Care Act, a great many among us are holding their breath, hoping that a major illness will not bankrupt them. Our challenge today as a community of faith, our challenge today is to recognize the diversity of economic statuses within our congregations from a place of non-judgment and acceptance. I think we have a principle that talks about that, the inherent worth and dignity of every person. Our challenge is to meet everyone where they are and to value their contributions. Our challenge today is to think differently about how we fund our mission during challenging economic times. Within challenge, there is always also opportunity. The opportunity here is that we just might grow in compassion by listening to the struggles of others. I long for the sacred space where those conversations might take place. Places like our whole lives. Just as we are sexual beings for our whole lives, our well-being is dependent on money our whole lives. Imagine a place 
where we could come together without judgment to teach and learn the skills of money management and how to bring it into alignment with our principles and values. Imagine a place where we could explore what money really is. So if I were to go into my purse right now, I don't think I even have a dollar bill. So money isn't that what's printed on a piece of paper. Today it exists largely on um, silicone chips, you know, out there in the World Wide Web someplace. So let's talk a minute about what money really is. At its most basic level, money is food. It is shelter. It is heat. It is clothing. It is transportation. At its most basic level, money is survival. Once the basics of survival are met, money is power. It is education. It is influence. It is safety. It is security. It is luxury. But make no mistake, it is power. In our whole lives, we teach about power in relationships. We teach that it is important to recognize our own power and to use it responsibly. We teach also that the person with more power also has more responsibility. If we had a sacred space where we could talk about money without shame or fear or guilt, we could start to recognize our own power, however small or large. And then we could imagine ways that we could use our power to transform our world into a place of equity and compassion. And we could begin to use our collective power to demand that the most wealthy and powerful in our world today begin to act responsibly. Imagine what our world could be like if that power were used to feed the hungry, to bind up the broken, and to set the captives free. This is what it means to wage reconciliation to be as fierce and aggressive in seeking to reconcile differences as we are to wage war against each other. A beginning point for doing so is to begin reconciling gross inequalities in income and wealth. Our General Assembly of Unitarian Universalist Congregations has named income inequality for what it is, a moral issue. As a people of faith, we are called to use whatever power that we possess to right this wrong. I've heard it said that there is no forgiveness when it comes to money. Yet, the Hebrew scriptures call for a jubilee year every 50 years. During a jubilee year, all debts are forgiven. 
The practice is also recorded in the writings of the ancient Sumerians. It was like a reset button for the economy, equalizing and bringing it back into balance. It was a reorientation to the common good over the individual accumulation of wealth. Jesus taught his disciples to pray, forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Both the Bible and the Quran warn against usury, which is the charging of interest on loans. Imagine how much different our world would be if there were no interest on student loans. I long for a sacred space where Unitarian Universalists could continue the conversation that has begun here today. Until that time, I have a homework assignment for you. Actually, I think it's probably something that you've already done once or twice. Remember a couple weeks ago when the lotto jackpot was nearly a billion dollars? Did any of you fantasize about what you would do with the money if you won? <laughs> well, that's the assignment. It's a fun assignment, isn't it? That's the assignment, except I've got a small twist for you. I want you to imagine that you've won the lottery. You can go check and see how large it is today. But before you begin planning what to do with that money, Sit down and spend some time meditating on the seven Unitarian Universalist principles. They're easy to find. They're in the front of the hymnal. They're on the internet. They may even be on your website. Are they on your website? They're on the UUA website. They're on the wall. They're easy to find. So that's the assignment, is to sit down and meditate on those seven principles. How would they inform the choices that you would make in using the power of a billion dollars? Now, shrink that billion dollars down to the size of your personal resources. How do the principles inform your day-to-day -day choices? This is wage reconciliation on a personal level, aligning your earning and your spending with your deepest principles and convictions. Ours is a faith rooted in the teachings of the world's religions. They point us in the, in the direction of greater equity than we know today. They point us in the direction of greater justice than we know today. They point us in the direction of greater compassion than we know today. And they point us in the direction of greater love than we know today. That these aspirations may become reality, it will take all of us sharing our power and working together for the common good. May it be so because we make it so. Amen and blessed be.